Author uh, Doug Mendenhall shares a, a brief parable that should cause all of us to pause and to reflect. He said, Jesus called the other day to say he was passing through and wondered if he could spend a day or two with us. I said, sure, love to see you. When will you, when will you be in town? That's when Jesus told me he was actually at a convenience store out by the interstate. I must have gotten that Bambi and headlights look because my wife hissed, what is it? What's wrong? Who is it? So I covered the receiver and told her Jesus was going to arrive in eight minutes. And she ran out of the room and started giving guidance to the kids in that effective way that marine drill instructors give guidance to recruits. My mind was already racing with what needed to be done in the next eight, no, seven minutes so Jesus wouldn't think we were reprobate loser slobs. I turned off the TV in the den, which was blaring some weird, scary movie I'd been half watching, but I could still hear screams from our bedroom, so I turned off the reality show it was turned to. Plus, I turned off the kids' TV set out on the sun porch because I didn't want to have to explain John and Kate plus eight to Jesus either. Six minutes from now, my wife had already thinned out the magazines that had been accumulating on the coffee table. She put Christianity Today on top for a good first impression. Five minutes to go. I looked out the front window, but the yard actually looked great thanks to my long, hard work, so I let it go. What could I improve in four minutes anyway? I did notice the mail had come, so I ran out to grab it. Mostly, it was Netflix envelopes and a bunch of catalogs tied into recent purchases, so I stuffed it back in the box. Jesus doesn't need to get the wrong idea about how much online shopping we do. Three minutes to go. I ran back in and picked up a bunch of shoes left by the door. I tried to stuff them in the front closet, but it was overflowing with heavy coats and work coats and snow coats and pretty coats and raincoats and extra coats. We live in the South. Why do we buy so many coats? I squeezed the shoes in with two minutes to go. I plumped up sofa pillows. My wife tossed dishes into the sink. I scolded the kids, and she shooed the dog. With one minute left, I realized something important. Getting ready for a visit from Jesus is not an eight-minute job. Then the doorbell rang. And that's true. This story does highlight the fact that it's difficult for people to stay ready and to maintain readiness for Jesus and for his return. That raises a question, is why is it that we struggle as men and women, as believers, why do we struggle with maintaining a continual state of readiness for Jesus' return. If Jesus were to return today, would you be ready? Would you be ready? It's a legitimate question. But we do struggle with the fact that to maintain a continual state of readiness, it's hard, as this man in his parable showed us. (laughs) But Jesus put a lot of emphasis on being ready and being watchful for his return. 
In fact, in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus gives us a series of parables that he gives to his disciples and emphasizes the point that I want you to be ready when I return. I want you to be ready. Maintain readiness. So we're going to look at some of the parables as to why it's so difficult for us to maintain a continual state of preparedness and readiness for Jesus' return. Why is it so difficult for us to maintain preparedness and readiness for his return? I think the first reason why, Jesus tells us, is that the timing of his coming is uncertain and unexpected for many. So we're going to read Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44. But of that day and hour, Jesus says, no one knows not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, the days of Noah, they were eating and they were drinking and they were marrying and given in marriage until that day Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other will be left. Then two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Jesus says, watch therefore, for you do not know what the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour or what time the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Clearly, Jesus is emphasizing to his disciples, you need to be ready. And the reason why you need to be ready is because you will not know the time when I'm coming. And he just gave the illustration of the Old Testament, which they would have known in the time of Noah, when Noah built the ark, there was no indication that judgment was coming. Noah's building the ark. Where's the rain? There is no rain. It's been like South Dakota in Noah's time, like before the rains came this week. There was no rain. So why is this guy building an ark? The people saw no sign of his coming. They weren't prepared for it at all. But as soon as Noah went in the ark, the people were caught off guard because the judgment came right away. And he's saying, that's how my coming is going to be. It's going to be unexpected by many who do not know I'm coming. And the timing in which I come is going to get people off. And he's saying, because of that, they're going to be, um, it's difficult for people to maintain an attitude and a spirit of readiness for his return, just simply because we don't know when it's going to be. That's number one. Secondly, a second reason why people may struggle to maintain a constant state of readiness for our Lord's return is because we may assume that it won't happen for a long, long time. Read Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 to 51. It's a different parable. Jesus continues, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household? to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will, take him, he will make him ruler over all of his goods. 
But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, he's not going to come for a long, long time, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with his drunkards, with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of, and it will cut him and, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here we see that the reason why this evil servant, this unfaithful servant, isn't ready is because he assumes that the that the master is not going to come home for a long period of time. And one of the reasons why we today may have a difficult time in maintaining uh, readiness for his return is because we may assume that it's going to be much longer than we realize, and then we relax. And we may be prone to live a life or do things that we otherwise wouldn't do if we knew that Jesus may come sooner. Okay? Now, there's a third reason why Uh, that we struggle with being continuously ready. And that's in verses 1 to 5 of the uh, parable of the wise and foolish virgins. We may struggle to maintain a constant state of readiness for our Lord's return because we may grow tired of waiting for it. And that's in verses 1 to 5. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and they slept. So here we see a contrast between the two parables that Jesus spoke about. Jesus is beginning this parable here between the, the foolish bridegroom, uh, the foolish uh, virgins and the wise virgins. They all fall asleep. Why? Because they're waiting for him to come, and they get tired of waiting. And sometimes that's true of us as well. We, we may expect that Jesus is going to come sooner than we think, and that we get tired of waiting, and that can cause our readiness to become well, we become less ready. We just wait, and we wait, and it's not coming. And notice what Jesus does. He knows how people think. He says, he contrasts these two parables. One expects, with the evil, unfaithful servant, one expects Jesus to come later than he expected. In this parable here, with the virgins, they expect him to come sooner than He actually does come. And so Jesus is covering all the bases. I know why people are not going to be ready. They're not going to be ready because they don't think I'm coming. They're uncertain of the time. They're not going to come because they assume that it's going to be a long way away and they're going to be mistaken. Others are going to go to the other extreme and they're going to think that I'm going to come sooner than I actually am. And for those reasons, people are not going to be ready when he actually does return. And that's true today. And so Jesus gives us these parables uh, to illustrate that we always need to be ready because of these reasons. So what I want to do now is continue reading the rest of the parable of the foolish and wise virgins, beginning in verse 6. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, 
Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Afterward, the other, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And then the door was shut. Afterward, the Lord uh, afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And in those parables, we all see that Jesus is emphasizing you need to be ready, you need to be ready. Clearly, Jesus wants us to be in a continual state of readiness for his return. The question is, what can we do to ensure that we're living in a continual state of readiness prior to Jesus' return? What can we do to maintain a continual state of readiness and preparedness for Jesus' return? Now, I notice that Jesus gives this parable of the wise and foolish virgins in the context of a wedding. Now, you may not be familiar with uh, Jewish weddings in the first century. Um, Jewish weddings, uh, before the actual wedding took place, you would have what they call a betrothal. And a betrothal was similar to our engagement. The difference between our engagement and their betrothal is that their betrothal was more binding. You actually needed to have a divorce for this betrothal to become no longer valid. That's not so with our engagement. So betrothals would be the first step in the marriage process. And then you would have a betrothal for about a year. And after a year of being engaged or being betrothed to your spouse, then you would have the wedding ceremony that would take place. And this is what Jesus is describing with the wise and foolish virgins going out to meet the bridegroom. It would happen at night. And that's when this would happen. And what would happen is that the bridegroom would be at his house with his wedding party, and the bride would be with, at her house at her wedding party. And then the bridegroom would come in a procession with his, with his wedding party, and he would go to the bride's house. And the bride, the, 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 the virgins who were unmarried women, the, 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 the bride who was getting married would not have women in the, in the bridal party who were already married. So when it talks about virgins, it's talking about women who were unmarried. And their responsibility was to go out and in, in, in uh, greeting the bridegroom as he came to pick up his bride. That's the image. That's what would be going on. So the virgins are wise and foolish in this particular parable. That's how they're described. And their, their responsibility is to go out to meet the bridegroom and bring the bridegroom in a light, in a, in a, in a torch-lit procession back to the bride. They would then have the ceremony. After the ceremony, after the nuptials, they would then have a nighttime procession with torches lit back into the bridegroom's home for a week-long festivity of celebration. It was the reception. That's what would go on during uh, uh, a first-century Jewish wedding as much as we can tell. And Jesus is giving that scenario in this parable, which is something that they would have been very well accustomed to. 
And Jesus is likening his return to a bridegroom coming back to get his bride. When we read in Thessalonians, Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church, we read that Jesus returns and the bride goes up to meet him in the air. That's representing the church going up or, or the virgins going up to meet the, the, the bridegroom who's coming back for his church. Okay? That's the imagery here. And so we see that uh, Jesus is coming back for his church, and he says, I, you need to be ready when I come back. So the question is, what can we do to ensure that we're living in a continual state of readiness prior to Jesus' return? The first thing we must do is to ask ourselves if we are equipped with the Holy Spirit. That's essential. It's it's an absolute must. If a person doesn't have the Holy Spirit of God, then one is not ready for the return of Jesus. Now, listen to verses 3 and 4 of Matthew 25. Those who were foolish, that is the foolish virgins, took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Here we find out why half of the virgins are called foolish. They did not fully equip themselves with what was necessary to meet the bridegroom. They did not supply themselves with the oil that would be needed to sustain their burning torches. It was the virgins who were equipped with enough oil in their vessels, their flasks, that were the ones that were prepared. They were the ones who would be ready when the bridegroom finally appeared. Now, as oil was the essential element that was necessary for the wise virgin's torches to be lit and remain lit, we need to be equipped with the Holy Spirit in order to be lit and remain lit. We're like the torches. The presence of the Holy Spirit in, in one's vessel is an absolute must if we are to endure the dark times in which we live while we wait for the bridegroom's return. The fact that the Holy Spirit is essential for an individual to be lit is seen in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. What happened in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4? You had all the believers waiting in the room, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And what happens? There's a sound like a mighty rushing wind that fills the whole room, right? And then all of a sudden, there appeared as what? Tongues of fire that was placed upon every single person in the upper room. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. The Holy Spirit came and literally lit the believers on fire. It was an image being lit like torches. It was as if the Lord was from heaven above, lit a match and tossed it in that room and they all caught fire. The Holy Spirit was likened to an image of being lit on fire. And just like these individuals who needed uh, oil to have their torches lit and to remain lit, those of us who are need to be ready when Jesus returns need to have the Holy Spirit in order for us to be lit. It's absolutely essential. If we want to be ready when Jesus returns, we have to be sure that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If we are not, we will miss out on the heavenly wedding banquet that is soon to come after our bridegroom's arrival. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential.
Secondly, in order to ensure that we're living in a continual state of readiness prior to Jesus' return, we must trim our wicks or our torches. Read verses uh, 6 and 7 with me. At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all of those virgins arose, and what did they do? They trimmed their lamps. Literally, it's torches. For these virgins to act on the command to go out and meet the bridegroom in the middle of the night, they would have to trim their torches. But what does that mean, to trim one's torch or wick or lamp? The verb trimmed here means literally to prepare or to put in order, to arrange, adorn, or beautify. This would primarily involve putting on extra oil and lighting the torches, and a good practice may have been required uh, checking that the, uh, that the cloth remained securely fixed on the stick. To trim one's lamp could also mean cutting off the impure burnt parts of the lamp or torch. In short, the act of trimming would allow the virgin's torches to shine as bright as possible for as long as possible as they awaited the arrival of the bridegroom. In the same way, as we wait for the Lord's return, we too should be taking certain measures and preparations. We should be trimming our torches. We we who have already been endowed and ignited by the Holy Spirit should be cutting off and removing any impurities in our lives that would keep our flame, our light, from shining as bright as possible for as long as possible as we wait for the Lord's return. So not only do we need to be... Uh, have the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us, we have the responsibility of trimming our wicks, our torches, our lamps by removing the impurities in our own hearts and minds as we wait for his coming. And that is a continual daily process. And there's one more, one more point. In order to ensure that we're living in a continual state of readiness for prior, prior to Jesus' return, we must be faithful in fulfilling our role in our ministry in verse 1, it states that the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. I've already mentioned the fact that one of the roles of the, the, of the virgins was to escort the bridegroom to meet his bride. That was their function. They would never be able to do that if they didn't have the oil, and they would not have been able to do that if they didn't trim their wicks. And if we, as the church, are going to be ready for his return and do what he wants us to do, we have to be filled with the Spirit, we have to trim our wicks, we have to be able to remove the impurities in our lives so that we can shine as bright as possible, and then and only then can we then escort people who are lost to the bridegroom Jesus. And when Jesus returns and finds us faithful in what he has called us to do as his people, it's an indication that we would be ready for his return. That's what Jesus is saying. What can we do to ensure that we're living in a constant state of readiness prior to, our, prior to Jesus' return? Make sure you're equipped with the Spirit, trim, trim your torch, and fulfill your role. Pastor Charles Swindoll tells a story about a man he once worked with in a machine shop for four years. His name was George. George's job was to sweep and clean out the shavings underneath the huge lathes and machines they used to run. George was born again, and he loved the teaching of Scripture on prophecy. He used to sing hymns as he worked, and, and many of them had to do with the second coming of Jesus. 
Late one Friday afternoon, about 10 minutes to quitting time, when all the employees were weary, Charles Swindoll looked at George and said, George, are you ready? He said, "Uh uh-huh. But Charles recalled that he was all dirty. He was obviously not ready. In fact, he looked like he was ready to keep on working. Charles said, aren't you ready to go home? George said, yeah, I'm ready. Charles replied, well, look at you, man. You're not ready. You got to clean up. No, he said, let me show you something. So he unzipped his coveralls and underneath were the neatest, cleanest clothes you can imagine. He had, he had them all ready. All he did when the whistle blew was just unzip and step out of the overall, walk up, punch his clock, and he was gone. He said, you see, I stay ready to keep from getting ready, just like I'm getting ready for Jesus. Let's all be like George. Let's stay ready to keep from getting ready. For if we don't, we may end up like the foolish virgins on the outside looking in during the greatest celebration of all time. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. and We do know, Lord, that your word is truth and that you are coming again. We know that it's true. But sometimes, if we're honest, we may live in such a way that indicates that we're not ready for your return. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us, Lord, to be like like this person, George, who was always ready, always ready. He had on the clean clothes. And help us, Lord, to live our lives in such a way where we are adorned with the righteousness of Christ by receiving the Holy Spirit and then walking in such a way that our light and, uh, shines brightly in this dark world. And help us, Lord, to be faithful in what you are calling us to do as your people so that when you do come back, we will be found ready. We will be clean. We will be doing and serving you the way you want us to. Help us, help us to do that on a daily basis. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I'll ask that you please stand for our final song, uh, The Days of Elijah. The lyrics will be on the screen. coming again. He's coming again soon. We don't know when, but we know he's coming again. So let's be like George and let's be ready to keep from getting ready. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now go in peace. Amen.